I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. to Lit and Libations. This is Audra. Hi, Audra. This is Sadie. So thanks for being patient with us. We took a little bit of time off. I was at a horse show in California, and you had a ton of stuff going on with work. So we needed a little bit of, needed some breathing room there. So hopefully you guys all took a breath too and just gave you more time to read um, The Power of the Dog by Thomas Savage. So that's what we'll be discussing this episode. Yes, I'm very excited. I really liked this book. I'm so glad you liked it. I liked it a lot too. And I wish, so Netflix has a movie coming out, but it's not out yet. I guess it's not out till the first part of December. So we'll probably discuss it a little bit in a future podcast after we watched it. Cause I'm really excited to see the movie. I just read an article about how, what's his name? Benedict, whatever. Cumberbatch. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. He like gave himself nicotine poisoning. Yes. Like he went so method that he like insisted on like, smoking that much well and like real cigarettes yeah yeah like rolling and so like gave himself nicotine poisoning so I'm like wow like that's some intense method acting so I'm excited to see the movie yeah me too I know that they've won a bunch of awards for like the the film festival circuit and Mm. stuff um and then yeah I've heard that Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing and then Kirsten Dunst is in it as well which I'm really excited to see her in um yeah she's been in like a lot of really interesting stuff I feel like the last 10 years and I think I love mm-hmm. her her the choices she's been making as an actress and so I think she's gonna be fantastic yeah. as Rose in yes this one it's it's gonna be good yeah I'm excited to see it um so before we get into it why don't you remind everybody I don't know if we even talked about it at our last I don't think we so. talked about it at all so mm-hmm. we picked our next book if Sadie you want to Um, enumerate on that so everyone can go pick up a copy from your local bookstore sure so our next pick is beautiful world where are you by sally rooney and this is a pretty new novel i think it just was released in over the last like i don't know maybe a couple of months um i'm really excited about this one because i was introduced to sally rooney who she's She's like an up and, well, not really up and coming anymore. She's pretty established by now, but she's like this newer millennial author. Mm-hmm. And I was introduced to her because of you, because you recommended Normal People. Oh, cool. Yeah, I really liked that book. And then they made, they did an adaptation of that, which I heard was Oh my stunning. gosh. It was, did you not watch it? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It was fabulous. It was so good. I, so I actually, I watched the... TV series first and then I read the book after which is weird usually I do the reverse and the TV series like did the book even more justice like it was it's actually one of the few adaptations where I think like maybe it was even a little bit better um Mm. in a lot of ways and she was the like screenwriter for it so she was really involved in the show um but I can yeah, imagine it is... would be good because I feel like there was so much tension in that novel, yes. like different kinds of tension and being able to see that. And as far as people enacting that 
gives it a different level probably than more than just yeah like you know so that I can I can see that but I'll have to check it out I I loved it um I think the two actors that debuted in it um were fabulous as Paul Nuscal and then oh gosh I can't remember uh the actress's name but Paul Nuscal is like a revelation in it like I think he's gonna be mm. like the next like really big actor I think he's fabulous um and I just also really really loved the way that that show in which I think a lot of Sally Rooney's work does which is why I'm really excited to read this one um is her approach to sex I think in her novels is really interesting and mm-hmm. it definitely is like a forefront of her novels in like a very realistic way. And that's one thing that like normal people got a lot of credit for is that there's a lot of sex in it, but it's all like it's very realistic. And mm. um, and they also used it's like one of the first TV she- series that really utilized uh, what are they called? Like intimacy directors. So, so people who are trained to like specifically direct those types of scenes to make sure that the actors feel safe and Mm -hmm. not exploited in any way. So I just, I love how she, how she writes about stuff like that. And I'm really excited to talk about Beautiful World. Where are you? Yeah. Looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. It was a good choice for sure. Um, And so I guess that's it. I guess we can get on talking about this because I'm really excited to talk about this book I really really enjoyed it yeah Um, me too it's definitely um we're gonna be talking about the whole book right yes um yep the whole book so brief little synopsis so it's written by Thomas Savage who really cool he was born in Salt Lake City um in 1915 um and he's got a ton of novels out there this is the only novel of his that I've written but I have heard of one of another famous novel his called uh The Sheep Queen it was uh, originally published in the 70s under a different title, I Heard My Sister Speak My Name. Um, and he's won a bunch of awards. Um, and I read a lot about him. He's a really interesting guy. And I, I think kind of underappreciated from like oh my gosh, yeah. what I've seen. Um, I, but yeah, I really thought this was great. I loved it. And I hadn't heard about him either. Mm-mm. I yeah. feel like this... So this was a cool discovery. It was. And his writing is really incredible and I think his ties to Salt Lake City were fun for me too like it's Mm -hmm. just kind of fun reading about things that you have a direct connection to in a lot of ways and um I was so impressed by like the I mean I'm sure we'll like really get into it but this book was written in 1967 I think and it the undertones of this book, oh, yeah. which we will get into, I'm sure. Incredible yeah. for like the yeah. time and for the also just the setting. Like I think it's just yes. brilliant. So we'll get more into that when we really start talking about it. But like this, I think this book is like really ahead of its time. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. and I'm very excited that they're doing a film adaptation for it. Yeah, me too. Um, so just small little synopsis it takes place in uh, Montana in the 1920s which I liked the time period that it was set in because I feel like most more westerns are either much earlier time you know no, no, it's almost set like you kind of have that like reconstruction era kind of thing yeah so that was kind of cool to have it in the 20s um and it's uh two two brothers um Phil and George and they are kind of wealthy like 
ranch owners, landowners. Mm-hmm. Their family is from, was from back east originally, so they've got a lot of money, a lot of land, a lot of cattle, and um, they are. It's well, yeah, we can go into it, but they um, all of a sudden they kind of a clash develops. One of them, he marries um, a widow from a nearby town. Um, her husband has he was a doctor, and he commit suicide and then later on George marries the widow Rose and she has a son um and he's I'm trying to think he's kind of like teenager age going on college when they marry I think and um the widow comes to live at the ranch with Phil and George and then there's just the the conflicts between Phil and Rose and Phil and George and her son like it's yeah that's kind of the gist of it yeah um and then i guess there's no we're not spoiling anything we're talking about the whole book and then phil dies at the end from like anthrax poisoning yeah which he got by having you know i love the descriptions of phil how he's this Mm -hmm. like very very smart manipulative but then like this you know he makes his own rope and he's very capable at so many things he showers he like so once every six months like he's super yeah. gross and dirty but he's like the smartest person like in genius. the room yeah and then yeah. he doesn't use gloves so his like hands because he does so much physical labor they get really like scuffed up and roughed up and cuts all the time and it's a source of pride for him like he yeah he takes pride in the fact that he doesn't wear gloves and like kind of mocks his ranch hands that wear gloves like Mm -hmm. to protect their hands. Mm -hmm. And then because of him making like his own robes from the rawhide of animals, that's how he gets the poison into his system through the cuts in his hands and ends up dying. And Rose's son knows what's going on because he's also very, very smart. Well, and he's, he's the one who, I th- Peter is the son of Rose and he really yeah. flies like under the radar. So the whole yes. book, he's kind of, he's made fun of, he's like lanky. He's physically quite awkward. He's just, he's also pretty unsociable in a lot of ways. Like he doesn't really have a lot of friends. He, they talk about how he like is kind of unfeeling and very like methodical with his language. And, um, yeah, so he is very methodical in his language and very, like, particular and kind of off. And he, so he doesn't really, like, give a lot of insight or have a lot of, like, language that he's using. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but he's very, like, protective of his mother. And so he really just, again, yeah, like, flies under the radar throughout most of the book and then... You know, you find out at the end that he is the one who gets the hide and like he goes out and searches for it because he knows what to look for because all he does is read and does all of this. Yeah, he he gets it from the medical books, his his father. Yeah. His medical books, right? Like isn't that how he Yeah, so he learned about it, I think. He reads about it in one of the medical books of his father about how um, a disease called anthrax is something that animals have and it can be um, given to humans through the bloodstream. So it would have to be like through a cut and it would have to be like working with the like body of 
like a diseased animal. So Peter, mm-hmm. at the end of this book, he is kind of like he's spending a lot of time with Phil and kind of like both of them are kind of manipulating each other, but like you don't really yeah, know I it. Love that. It's so good. I loved it. It's so good. And then he goes out and like searches in the plains, basically. He like he dissects animal carcasses like all the time. And so he's out searching for one and he's searching for one specifically that shows evidence of disease. And then at the end he gives fill the raw hide on purpose because he knows that his fingers are all cut up for him to use to tie and make the rope for him and it's so brilliant and it's like it's hinted at and laid through the book so so cleverly and just these kind of um this these manipulations all around and then also like so much like sexual undertones it's yeah so phil is very blatantly i guess and maybe it's our time that we're in and our own backgrounds but like it's just so blatant it was blatant kind of right off the bat really that phil is very obviously homosexual and Mm -hmm. has a lot of like what what's what's the term like internalized homophobia yes yeah and and he's just a yeah, it's just blatant. I mean, he's he's a mean, manipulative oh, character. He like actively really just wants to hurt people in his life and it's awful. And and it's sad too cuz you can tell yeah. that because there's so much hatred he has for himself. I mean, he talks so much about what's that guy? Um he ta- it's so interesting. I want to know so Is it much Bronco more Henry? of the story. Bronco Henry. He talks about you know, someone who used to work with them and for them and help them with cattle named Bronco Henry. And you just get the idea. They either had some sort of relationship or mm. Phil was in, you know, secretly in love with, you know, it could have been so many things you don't know. But like, it's so good. Like just how that slipped in there and like, and how he talks about Phil. I mean, Peter, you know, who yeah. is kind of talked about as being like effeminate, um, things like that. And he how much hatred he has towards Peter, mm-hmm. but like, it's obviously cause he's, you know, yeah. H- well, it's that part of himself. And it's like, did you ever see, uh, the movie American beauty? Yes. Long time ago, but yes. Yeah. So that's like one of the main things in the show is there's in that movie, there's like this army dad and he's like hyper masculine, oh. like overtly right. masculine and homophobic in his language all because he is gay and he has a lot of internalized homophobia. So he's like aggressively trying to go so hard in the other direction. And I think that's Mm -hmm. exactly what's going on with Phil in this book. And it's so sad because it's, it's like, it's one of those things where he's hurting all these other people around him because of this like hyper-masculine, super judgmental kind of mindset and behavior and, but like, if he just kind of learned to accept himself or like, yeah, have more confidence in, in what he actually felt, then it wouldn't be, I think he, he would have been a, a more kind and like affecting human because like, it's interesting, this book kind of introduces him in this really like 
mean and tough way. He's he's one of the catalysts, for example, for like Rose's husband Talked dying. Killing himself. Yeah, he I love how that's written about too. I love how you know the second that they that that's discussed, this conversation that Dr. Gordon has in a bar. So you get Dr. Gordon has a drinking issue mm-hmm. and gets drunk in the bar and you know, and he's a good, kind, smart man. But he has, he's obviously an alcoholic and like, you know, not happy with necessarily where he's at in life and feels like a bit of a failure and like, and you can tell they don't even name Phil, but you know that it's Phil that has this conversation with him where he basically puts him in his place and because he's knows just as much, he's smarter probably. And like, yeah. And just, and enjoys pointing that out and enjoys humiliating people and humiliates Dr. Gordon very purposely and maliciously and, and kind of beats him up too. Like it's he uncomfortable. Him yeah. The room. It's really sad. Like it's very uncomfortable. And then Dr. Gordon kills himself because he is afraid that Peter has seen that and is ashamed of his father. And like, it's just such a, and you, they don't even name Phil, but you know, it's Phil. You find out at the end, it, kind of confirms it again Mm -hmm. in a telling but it's like you know right off the bat because she does such a great job or sorry he does such a great job of like in very minimal ways you know exactly who these characters are like you can just you just understand Mm -hmm. them and see them like Mm -hmm. and I so good I I love how he writes this and I love how the depending on who the narration is about you almost kind of are given the their point of view on people like yes when it's more about phil how george is talked about you almost it's almost painted like he's kind of more of a simpleton mm-hmm. he's not you know and it's just because phil looks down on everybody because of his self-hatred yes. but george really isn't an un, he's not an unintelligent person he has a different kind of intelligence and like mm-hmm. is a very kind soul but then also it's frustrating like to watch what goes on with Phil and Rose and like Phil in general and see kind of this, I think that whole brother relationship is really fascinating to me. Like, yeah, well it's fascinating and it's also like weird and disturbing in a way. Like, like they've, you know, been on this ranch for forever. They were originally like there with their parents and then their parents moved to Salt Lake city to the like a ritzy city, you know, near Montana and are just kind of like living the high life there while they're still like home on the ranch mm-hmm. and they still like sleep in the two like twin sized beds together in the same room there's like as if they were children and they're got to be like pushing like 30 or 40 easy yeah. and they still are like just kind of living this life it's stunted yes it's like a stunted life it is And then, so there's this weird level of, I think, too, like, there's a question outside of just the fact that Phil hates kind of everybody and he's very blatant about it. Like, we've talked about this, like, internalized homophobia and, um, you know, this this way that he gets down on anybody who's not, like, this hyper-masculine standard that he's, like, built up in his head. But he also, like, the question of why... He hates, you know, women. He hates anybody who's not, like, mm-hmm. a white man from England. Like, he's even down on people who are immigrants from, like, oh, yeah. other countries and, like, don't originally speak English. He, 
he's so aggressive, but like other than the fact that Rose is a woman, like why is he so fucking upset that George got yeah. married? You know, and it's almost mm. like this weird like jealousy, like this kind of oh yeah, like it's totally jealous. He's totally jealous, and it's not like he's jealous that like George has a a wife. It's like George has somebody else now, and he will never yes. have that because he's gay man even though it's not explicitly said. And so he can never have that like relationship that he actually, I think wants. And it's, this isn't stuff that he says, but to me like that, that doesn't even recognize. Yeah. That's like the only explanation for it is this weird jealousy, just trying to like destroy that relationship and to get her out of there so that he doesn't have to be like alone in being alone. Mm -hmm. No. And I love like, he's just this like predator, right? Like I love how she did like it's chapter four and it's uh, Phil's eyes were day blue expressionless, but some said innocent, but they were sharp, very sharp eyes. And the iris was no less sensitive than the cornea. So the subtlest change in light or shadow alerted Phil just as his bare hands sensed the hidden rot at the heart of the wood, the secret weakness. So did his eyes see around and beyond and into He saw through nature's pathetic fraud called protective coloring, saw the vague outline of the stock still doe, camouflaged against dry, thick branches, leaf and earth. Smiling, he shot to kill. He knew if a timber wolf was lame, noted the fainter print of the favored paw in dust or snow, saw a quivering in the stubble and watched the grass snake unhinge its jaws and bolt down tiny new mice while the mother leapt in circles, screaming. His eyes followed the ragged flight of magpies seeking carrion, the bloated animal, the leg of beef gone rotten and dragged out behind the woodshed. In the sudden elbow of a stream where the baffled water turned upon itself, he watched the trout conceal itself in the shadow of a rock. But he saw more than nature's creatures. Like, Mm. I just loved that because it's like, it's so predatory, but also like impressive. You know what I mean? Like he's, there's a lot to like respect and admire in him in some ways. But he's, it's such an, like, it's just like it's turned. It's almost like rotten fruit. You know, like it's like, so, and it's just, ugh, he's just like, he's gives you kind of the creeps. Yeah. And he, I mean, he is, it's like, and I think part of it too is like, you think that somebody, he just, he just doesn't give a shit like he doesn't care about he, anybody he plays with people he like does. how he what he does to dr gordon how he plays with rose like he knows yeah. that she, so rose starts drinking because she knows that there she knows something's he, off with him like he scares the yeah. shit out of her well and he's he's been he's called her son names and mm-hmm. like how he speaks to her son she can tell that there's some hatred there and like that's scary as a mother and like and now she's living in this house with him and like that's like he's just she senses that predatory nature but does but feels powerless against it and she Mm -hmm. starts drinking and phil knows that she's drinking and like knows she knows Mm -hmm. he knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) like however you say that but and just it's like this game he's playing with her like he's a cat and she's a mouse you know and it's like he won't just kill her he's gonna like terrify her first and that's kind of what he does and it's like it's just well he likes that it's he likes that it's like slow do you know what i mean like he doesn't want to just like 
drive her out in one fell swoop. He wants to like no. take his time and play with his food a little bit. And I think part of that well, is because yeah. like he's so miserable that he just like wants to make other mm-hmm. people miserable. It's like I love I can't remember where it is, but where they're talking um about so Rose plays the piano. She's played the piano and George, her new husband, loves that about her and like buys her this incredibly expensive piano. It costs all this money and time and effort to like get this piano out to this ranch. And like, so she plays in an effort to kind of help, you know, please her husband, but also for her. And like, of course, feels better, right? He plays the banjo and like, he's of course excellent. And so she's practicing in the house and then she'll Mm -hmm. hear him playing what she's played, but even better. Mm -hmm. And like, when she stops playing, he stops. Like, it's this game he plays with her. And then you get from his point of view, he's admitting it. And it's just, it's just so, ugh. It like is. He is, I, it, it, it just gives me the creeps. Well, he's and he, a, and he's like that with, like, even with the people that he supposedly cares about, like George, you know, like he constantly puts him down, calls him like fatso, constantly mm-hmm. like, you know, when girls from the East would come over to like with his family to visit, they'd all kind of like go after him. And, um, you know, Phil convinces him that it's because of his money and that he's not desirable, like yep. that nobody could possibly want him. Even though George is like a very, very kind, sweet, unassuming person. And, yeah. um, and wants to this- better himself. Yeah, he, like, is constantly trying to be better and, like, be good and mm-hmm. um, be helpful. And there's this part where they're having a conversation, Phil and George, and he just looks at his brother and he says, take a good look at yourself sometime. Go take a look at yourself in the mirror. Take a good, hard gander at your fizz. When you take, Then you take and ask yourself why your missus married you. George blinked once, blinked once, but he kept his eyes on Phil. Think what you like, Phil, but the Indians stay. And George turned and left the barn. But oh, how Phil knew how to touch the store place. Lord, how he knew how to lift a scab. And I thought that was like the perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect description of what he does. Because mm-hmm. he waits until it's almost healed. Yes. And then whoosh, rips that right off to mm-hmm. open that wound up. And it's even, it hurt, almost hurts more. It's like... It's like, yeah, it's like it's, digging, digging into something that's almost closed and then like giving it in an infection. Like that's kind of like how I picture it, which is why I think it's so brilliant the way that he dies in the end is it's like a very similar thing. It's first off, he's like killed because of his own, like the way that he's killed anyway is because of his, his own like hyper masculine I'm such a man that I don't need to wear gloves kind of thing. And then also it's like this slow killing. It's it's like he's fine for a while. And then he, you know, starts to look a little sick at dinner. And then he's really sick and they take him to the city. And then he dies like an awful, awful death. Like the the way it's described, the doctor says that it was horrifying. And like they couldn't figure out how it was done. Um, it's just, it's wild. And then I think also the way that Thomas Savage introduced, like builds up to that point. Cause we've kind of like, oh, we've yeah. spent most Such of tension. the, so much tension and like we've been like, building talk about tension. 
It's so good. We've been building up, like, most of this book, like, hating him, right? And then at the end, we get, like, these these interactions that he has with other people of, like, how he, for some people, he's very unassuming and non-judgmental, you know? Or for some people, he, like, there's this interaction where he's playing marbles with these, like, local kids, and he's, like, really cute and really kind to them and is like, oh, I'll pay you a quarter for your marbles, even though you were just going to give them to me. And also, they're like, they're not worth anything. Like, you made them out of, like, rock or something. And it's, like, this weird kind of, like, hint at sweetness, maybe, that he, like, could yes. possibly have potential for. It seems like it's just, it's this little part of him that's just buried so, 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 so deep. Yes. And like, he just, towards the end, it's like peeking its little head out, you know? And you're like, oh, maybe. And like, that's almost the worst torture or ending for him because it's like, you see that there may be possible, like, well, could have been change or growth or mm-hmm. so maybe maybe like well i definitely well, get, unlikely but i definitely get the vibe at the near the end it's like one of the last chapters um it is the last chapter actually where his interactions with peter become really interesting where like i think we're supposed to be under the impression that peter is also gay um because he doesn't seem to show like any interest in women and then he also is like constantly kind of bullied and made fun of by his peers for being like sissy or like being off kind of a thing um Mm -hmm. so I I don't know if it like it's not as obvious to me as like with Phil but it's a possibility yeah and Peter just you know again throughout this novel is like kind of surprising in his kind of his own, he's unassuming. He's, he's kind of yeah. He's surprising in like his own kind of slyness that he has. Yeah. And I love like this observation of when he's watching Peter kill a rabbit, uh, yeah. which I think is like really great foreshadowing. But he watched Peter smooth his hand over the rabbit's head, calming it, and the next minute he was wringing its neck, neck, and so deftly that Phil couldn't help but admire. He'd never seen anything quite like it. Now the rabbit's hind legs, free of the severing of the spinal cord from the tensions in the brain, relaxed and hung still in the boy's hand, the eyes glazing over in death. There was no blood at all. It was Phil himself who was bloody, hooked himself on some sharp thing. So we start getting like these hints of like how like quickly and deftly and like sneakily almost that like Peter's capable of like killing something. And then like because it's so it's so like nobody would think this is murder even though it was you know it's brilliant but also like there's this um this moment where he you know he's trying to turn peter against his mother you know bringing up the fact that she's an alcoholic and doing all of these things and and Peter just kind of lets him think that it's working. Yeah. And, you know, Rose, when she's, she's really drunk, um, she sells this like raw hide. The hides. Yeah. Yeah. The hides. And she does it. I mean, she's, she is completely like 
drunk off her ass in this scene. But she also does it for, like, some sort of, like, kind of semblance of independence, I think, of, like, having cash. And, like, she doesn't have a checking account. Like, that's something nobody ever thought of, apparently, when when she got married. And as we know, like, women couldn't open bank accounts by themselves back then. And it's interesting because I feel like if George... Like, George is a good husband in a way and he's a good person but doesn't know enough to realize that like like I feel like George wouldn't have a problem with any of that he wants her to feel and be independent not realizing that that's not something she can necessarily just take yes like he doesn't realize because why would he I guess but he doesn't he's not thoughtful enough to realize like he has to help give that to her like he has to encourage and Mm -hmm. like she can't just take it. Yeah. Like it's a really big deal, not just for who she is and the time period and her situation that she's a widow, like all of these things. But then you throw Phil in there. Like, well, the, like I she's mean, basically living in a hell. And yeah, like, and like George just doesn't seem to like notice or really no. like do anything. Yeah. Cause he doesn't, I think what he doesn't want to do is like, he doesn't want to point out that she's uncomfortable or unhappy because he's like so happy to have a wife and like I think yeah. he really loves her but he also I think he's just so used to his brother and because Phil is so sly that I think he's not like super obvious with some of his behavior around George all the time that like because it's so like he's it's it's overt but it's also like it just builds it's maybe like small yeah. things that just like are building and building and building and so he's not super aware of it. But um, this this part where, you know, Peter kind of like, I think, makes his decision after the way that Phil is like talking about his mother when she sells the, the mm-hmm. rawhides. That's when he offers, he says that, oh, I have some, I have rawhides. Why don't you use mine? You know, yeah. and this like moment of vulnerability all of a sudden in Phil. We're yes, that simple act of of one, him thinking he's got Peter. Yeah. Like so he lets his guard down because I feel like that offer from Peter makes Phil feel like he's succeeded in some way with his plan of like mm-hmm. turning Peter against his mother. So that helps him be vulnerable because he's got this sense of triumph, right? It's like like he thinks that he's lets him done let his it. guard down just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then he can, okay, I've done that. So now, and then that almost, he almost lets that now affect him in another way. Like to almost be willing to form some sort of like bond with someone. Well, and I think it's like, I don't know if I would say it's like as emotional or like, I, I, I get the feeling in this part that he is starting to have feelings for Peter and I thought about that. I vacillated between feeling if it was like, I think it's, I don't think, I think you're right. And as far as I think it can be read that way. And I read that that way at times, like I kind of go back and forth on my. So, cause, cause there's like a lot of like, there's a lot of lingering touching. Cause he talks about, um, the boy touched his well, arm. It, yeah. He's, yeah. And then the, and, and then the boy touched his arm, touched it. And he offers the rawhide and he keeps the boy's hand remains right where it was. And he tells him that he wants to, like, learn from him and he wants to braid like Mm -hmm. him and he wants to be like him. And they were facing each other and the boy's hand remained right where it is. So, like, there's so much emphasis on, like, this physical touch. And then 
and then it goes well, into kind of his mo- inner monologue a little bit and it like he seems very touched he you know, he says, you've been good, Phil. At that moment in that place that smelled of years, felt in his throat what he'd felt once before. And dear God knows never expected nor wanted to feel again for the loss of it breaks your heart. Yeah. I mean, and I think he identifies like he, he obviously because of how he treats Peter, but he looks at Peter as someone who's, who's gay. Yeah. Well, or and then that's, that's a possibility. Well, and then they, you know, like there's this reference to this moment where, Peter finds Phil on like his, you know, biannual bath. His, his, yeah, his twice a year bath in the creek. In the, in the creek. And like, there's this like moment of him being naked and like vulnerable like that. And Mm -hmm. he talks about how it feels like fate. And please, was it not fate? Because a man must believe in something. Was it not fate that the yeah. boy had looked on him in his nakedness in that hidden place known only to George and to himself and to Bronco Henry? Like, yeah. to me, that's just like, oh, shit. Like, he definitely had something going on with Bronco Henry, and he's starting to feel those things for Peter. And he's, like, actually really moved about it, and he kind of, like, they continue this touching feeling and you know peter says that he was moved too um but so it's like this weird it's this touching physical like bond and this like first example of emotional and physical vulnerability from phil but then it's just like the start of the end because it's those raw hides that he kill him like it's so good I, it is, and, like, I just love how the tension builds, like, the whole part, uh, I mean, that's, like, a story on its own, but with the, the Indian and his son mm-hmm. and, like, coming onto their land, and, like, I kept thinking, like, okay, the next page, like, th- something's going to happen, something's going to happen, something's going to happen, like, mm-hmm. there's just such this buildup of tension between George and Phil and Phil and Peter and Phil and Rose and Rose and Peter and Rose and George, like, mm-hmm. it's just this, like, it's very tense and I just like could not stop reading this book like literally I stayed up way too late reading this book like I kind of give I have to give myself a bedtime like you know (laughs) I have to I I have to get sleep you know like it's important (laughs) and I just would stay up way too late reading this book because I just was like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and then I'm not disappointed like it wasn't a disappointing ending for me at all I enjoyed the ending and like it's you get the payoff it's just different than you thought it would be so then it's like a nice little surprise twist because I just kept assuming what was going to happen I was like oh didn't see like but now it all makes perfect sense you know it's like I didn't see it coming and it it happens and it happens so late in the book right like it's like the last five pages of the book almost that the death happens that they talk about how they send blood samples to the lab to try to figure (laughs) out what the hell happened to him like how did he die the doctor's stunt like stumped the medical examiner is stumped they have to send it to the (laughs) state laboratory and then this sneaky little thing where it's like okay like maybe maybe we think maybe it could have been peter like that he did this on purpose or something maybe because he talks about how he wanted to protect his mother but then they talk about how um the culture and the 
So we don't know for sure that it was Peter at this point, but it says he thought the whole business, this is the doctor, as he remarked to a nurse, the whole business of sending the culture off was rather like locking the barn door after the horse was stolen. The culture in right. the test tube would tell him what one person already knew. And then it goes to Peter's perspective, like right after. And mm-hmm. I think it's just amazing. And the and then the way that it like talks about how he gets there it's like he's in his room and he's just looking at all of his books and it's like naming a bunch of the different books that are in his room and um and then talks about how he kind of like figured this out with his dog like practiced like on his dog or something and then in one of the books just one afternoon he reads this part and then it just ends with um so it was a disease of animals communicable to man and that it finds its sure, its sure way into the human bloodstream through cuts or breaks in the skin from a man's handling the hide of a diseased animal, as when perhaps a man with damaged hands will use a diseased hide in braiding a rope. So it's like, the, I think that's such a genius end to the book of like this very clinical language. And then so all, satisfying. It's so satisfying. I can't wait to see how they do this. Like on the screen i think they're gonna yeah. really really like lean into these sexual undertones of it like i think yeah. i think that um i think i read it in an, i just like had looked up the movie and i think one of the headlines that i read was that benedict cumberbatch like acknowledged in an interview that he like his understanding of the character was that he was gay but that it's yes. not explicitly explained in the movie same as it's not explicitly explained in the book um and i think i I think they're really gonna like play into that tension really really interestingly on film it's gonna be i'm so excited i like the more i talk about this book actually like the i think the more excited i am about it (laughs) i am too i'm really excited i really like it really i really really enjoyed this book and like I think that the story's just really like I'm just really kind of surprised I hadn't heard about it before Same. to be honest with you but I mean there's so many amazing books out there that are just unknown or underappreciated but I just thought it was great I want to read his other novels because um, I think he's just a really good writer I, I think he he's very um, succinct and purposeful but gives great exposition where needed I love his descriptions of things. I think he really set the tone for like the time and mm. place. And I really thought that this was like a a dark but beautiful novel. Like I agree. really, really enjoyed it. So it I, made like and that's part of why I'm excited for the movie too, because I think it's like there's so much there for like cinematography wise, because I think that just the tone of mm. it is gonna be so pretty to watch, you know, just that because that's kind of a very, to me, accurate description of, like, that kind of life. I think, you know, the West gets romanticized a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some really good novels and movies out there that kind of show more of the reality of it. Like, like Deadwood is one of my absolute favorite TV shows ever. Have you ever watched Deadwood? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. You and Brian would love it. HBO. And then they did a movie that ended it. The same guy who did the show. It's one of my absolute favorite shows. I got your brother hooked on it. Oh, so nice. you guys should watch it. Um, but it's like set in Deadwood, North Dakota, you know, when it was like 
hadn't been a state yet and stuff. And it's like kind of, it gives a really good description of just also how shitty life was like Mm -hmm. literally and like shit in the street, like just, so I think it's just, I love how he sets the tone. It's still beautiful in its ways, but then like, it's also rough and like, you know, there's just not this glamorized picture of like, you know, the small town that's nearby or ranch life or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really, I, th- I think he was great. I really liked this book. I'm glad you liked it too. I loved it. I think it like, I think the setting is really um, interesting because it's such a transitional period of time where it's like, yeah, yeah, some people are like still using like horses and buggies to like get around, but then other people like rich people have cars you know like it's Mm -hmm. really starting to get into this like technologically transitional time period Mm -hmm. and then also Mm -hmm. like I find it really interesting to read books set in the 20s because I can't help but like picture especially when it's around about rich people I keep picturing like the great depression like looming yeah looming overhead and it's something that we know that these characters don't know but it's like oh Mm -hmm. man like when phil dies is is george and are george and rose gonna be okay are they gonna lose the fortune like it's just yeah it's i don't know it's just such a crazy period of time and then also you know the fact that it takes place after the first world war which is something Mm -hmm. they mention in this book and I thought it was really interesting of like how baffling it was to people at this time like kind of recovering from the trauma of World War One to fathom and like to really piece together and understand the fact that somebody that they grew up and loved with could be like dead in France that's like a direct quote from this book yes and I think yes. that how how removed and how close it all yeah, is yeah it's such a wild time to think about and it's it's just, I think this book does such a good job of fitting the, these kind of ideas and themes into it while also telling, I think, like a really interesting like narrative as a story. It's just a yeah. wild yeah. time. Great story on its own. Like, like almost archetypal, you know, like you could set this kind of story and conflict in any, mm-hmm. you know, it could be a Greek tragedy. You could see this set in current time. Like it's just the story itself is so great and solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the setting and the time, like all of it's just, just adds to it. Right. It's just this beautiful, beautiful bouquet of like a story. I just loved it. I do too. I do too. I, I'm actually, I'm really what? interested to, to look into his other books now. Um, mm-hmm. me too, because I mean, it's not even just his his language that I find really interesting, but I think he's so brilliant in the way that he's able to convey tone. And yeah, and it's not so suspenseful. Obvious. I loved how suspenseful it was. Yeah, no, it it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't hit you over the head with it. Each I think he treats his reader like they're intelligent, and mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. While still being, like, like, I don't like while still writing in a way that's like accessible and like accessible. Easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like yeah, he's like. Yeah, very accessible, but doesn't dumb things down. Yeah. Which I think is a is a definite skill. Loved it. If if we haven't sold you guys, like seriously, go <laughs> go pick up this book. It's great. Or like and we'll let you know how the movie is once it comes out. So Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So remind everybody again what our next Yes. So book is, our please. next book is Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You? So just um as a like 
kind of heads up about what the book is about. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I lost my my pop filter. It's fine. <laughs> we're Technical difficulties. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> um, so this book is, it's about like a group of like three or four people. Um, it's two women who were really great friends. One is at like a novelist and, and one um, works in... Like I think I think like a political office or maybe it's like a, a journal, like a literary journal. I can't remember. Um, and then two men and one of them like they've known for forever. And it's just kind of about their relationships with each other. And as as just kind of young adults in the world, kind of trying to make their way. But yeah. also like the way that their lives intertwine and the complications of like sex and friendships and um it's, I'm really excited to read it. She's she's very like I think realistic about her relationships, which I know I talked about at the beginning. So I think it's gonna be a far different read than anything we've read before. Yeah, I'm excited. I love normal people, so I'm excited about this. I just realized, Sadie, we didn't talk about our libation. We were so excited to get oh. into the book. <laughs> well, I mean, and I would say forget it, but it's part of our podcast title, so I feel like we got to talk about our libation. We do got to talk about our libations. So if you made it this far, congratulations. You get to hear us talk about our libations. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight I'm just having a white wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc, and it's, I can't remember the, the vineyard, um, but it's one that I got from, you know, those nice delivery services that are available to uh, forward-thinking states okay, like almost... Massachusetts. <laughs> I almost picked a Sauvignon Blanc too, but I picked a Pinot Grigio. It's uh, Chris is the name of the winery. I don't remember where it came from, but it's in my house somehow, and I found it. (laughs) Hey, I am just jealous. I I am wanting to find, figure out how to make that one cocktail that you posted on your Instagram. If you guys don't follow Audra on Instagram, you need to change it because she has been going places, making moves, and has Which, just oh. been posting the most interesting videos and pictures on her stories. And so you should watch because... This place, the one that they lit on fire? Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It was it was so cool. That was super fun. Let's see. I'm trying to remember. I'm pulling up. I feel like you sent me a picture of the menu, but I was like, how do I make this still? Like still don't (laughs) know how to make it. Thanks for the, thanks. Thanks for the picture. It didn't help me. Um, it was the Belladonna. Yeah. So where did it go? So it had butter washed Crowbird navel rum, Mm -hmm. pineapple and orange juice, Falnerum, which I don't know what that is, and cream of coconut. And then they had a lime that was cut in half and like charred. And then they had alcohol in the lime. And then they lit it on fire. And then he was like sprinkling cinnamon on it. Oh, is that what it was? And then you were supposed to like, yeah, you were supposed to dump the, you know, lime alcohol into the drink, which we figured out the second one. Because it was funny because we ordered another one and he was like, wow, that usually knocks people out. And we're like, oh, we're tough. Like, we can't handle it. I'm like, I'm I'm usually not. So is this going to like drop me on my knees in a second? Like, is this going to hit me hard? But it's because we hadn't dropped more alcohol in it. Um, yeah, it was cool. That place was cool. We got to, we went to this really cool speakeasy oh, called cool. 121. And I could only post one picture. They didn't, they put your phone in like a locked bag so that you couldn't access your phone. while you were sitting there it was only 30 people in a room at a time they it like looked like authentic music they had everyone dressed authentically 
Um, they had a 90 minute time limit on you. So you couldn't just stay all night. You had to like wait outside the door until they'd come get you. And yeah, they put you in a room so that we took a picture in the room. They let us take one there and then take you into the main bar. Um, and they seriously best mint julep I've ever had. They had this butter old fashioned that was delicious. Oh, wow. Um, with like a butter whisk. It was really good. Like that, that place was awesome. It was really fun. And my, it's funny. My trainer was just texting me. Jordan, who used to work for Kendrick at Beehive Cigars is a bartender there. And they ran into him like last night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I have to, I'll have to go tell Kendrick about it, but none of you that are listening, if you're listening, need to know this, but <laughs> it was a cool place. I definitely have experienced, I got some ideas. So I feel kind of, uh, lazy for just pouring a glass of pinot tonight but well i'll step it up for our next time and i got some good inspiration i'm just glad that this sounded good to me because i'm pretty sure i had food poisoning earlier today well it wasn't Ooh. it wasn't like full on food poisoning like i didn't throw up but i wanted to and Ooh. it was not good not i was fun. i was really actually it was like seven o'clock and it was like oh I'm just like barely starting to feel better like it'll be okay <laughs> but like I had to spend my afternoon yeah, good, just good like to just laying in one yeah. position that made me not feel like I was gonna barf and now I feel fine so we're like we're good well, so I just I knew I couldn't good, drink good like, to take it a little mellow tonight. yeah <laughs> smart 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 good call well we'll we'll step it up for next time we'll yeah. get real fancy yeah yeah all right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. If you haven't, please go read The Power of the Dog. I loved this book. It was so good. And I'm excited to see the movie when it comes out. Um, and then go pick up um, a copy of our next book by Sally Rooney. What, Beautiful People? Yes. What was Be- it? Beautiful okay. World, Where Are You? Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, I enjoy. just, I also wanted to just say thank you. I feel like the last... Um, like month month and a half I feel like we've been getting like a lot of really great feedback on like Instagram from people and I just want everybody listening to know that we like we really appreciate it and that stuff means a lot to us like we definitely yeah because we love doing this so yeah so it's it means a lot that you listen and we always appreciate your feedback and your comments and if you've reached out to us on Instagram like ever just know that we like love you and appreciate you (laughs) Yeah, you're ex- you're extra special listeners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.